In this episode of the Deming Institute podcast, Keith Sparkjoy discusses Pluralsight and their Deming journey. Keith outlines the steps they are taking to get rid of incentive pay and bonuses. Keith also shares how Pluralsight replaced the employee handbook with just two rules. Hi, I'm Trip Babbitt. Our guest today is Keith Sparkjoy. Keith is a culture coach at Pluralsight, where he helps ensure that the culture stays healthy as the company continues its rapid growth. Prior to this, he served as chief technology officer, where he helped build Pluralsight's content delivery platform. Welcome to the Deming Institute podcast, Keith. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Very good. So you... uh, did a presentation at the Deming Institute Fall Conference, but I want to take it back just a little bit. Um, where did you come across the Deming philosophy originally? Yeah, well, I read a couple of books um, as part of kind of a cultural discovery, I, I guess you would say, kind of an awakening um, during our hyper growth phase as we grew from 20 to 200 employees in the span of uh, 18 months, um, uh, we realized that we had to figure out how to go from a, a really healthy small company culture and figure out a way to be, keep that healthy as we grew and with, with a number of people coming from a lot of different types of companies. And uh, I, read, I started reading a lot of books. Um, I read Drive. That was probably one of the most important ones by Daniel Fink. Mm-hmm. And from that, I learned about uh, the three pillars of, uh, I really like the way he describes the three pillars of um, intrinsic motivation for okay. people, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what Deming talked about uh, uh, with human psychology and, and that notion of autonomy and mastery and purpose. Um, and I also read The Lean Startup. Uh, I ended up finding a book called Maverick, which was great. Maverick, I don't remember Maverick mentioning Deming, but the Lean Startup certainly did, um, Drive did, and I, I always, when, when I find something that really resonates with me or really feels right, I like to go and find the source of where it came from. I like to go mm-hmm. and find the, the, the look in the bibliography, and, and I saw this guy named Edwards Deming mentioned a couple of times, and and so uh, I went and picked up uh, Deming's book, Out of the Crisis, and started reading that, and the relatively, it's not a terribly easy read, no. <laughs> but the, the concepts inside of it are, I mean, they, once again, it was, there was these truths that were resonating with me. I could mm-hmm. feel that, you know, there was something there. So, yeah, so it was, it was through bibliographies, I think, that I, really is, is how, I, how I found Deming. And then I was, I was partway through out of the crisis, you know, I was reading a little bit of it at a time, and I was thinking, this is going to be really hard to present to my, C, my, my CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, my business partner, who's uh, also the CEO of the company. If I want to see this transformation take place, I don't think I can give him a copy about the crisis and it'll just happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pr- probably the new economics would be a lot better than out of the crisis. But, I didn't but, know about uh, that book at the time. I didn't know about that one. But uh, anyways, I, so so I, I started searching on the web to see if there was a, a you know community around this because I figured you know this is great stuff. There's got to be somebody out there who's uh, doing this and and you know there's usually people talking about this discussion forums and things like that and i happened across the deming institute the deming.org and uh so i kind of poked around in there a little bit and i found uh that they sold a set of dvds 
um, with a number of hours of instructional video uh, on uh, Deming's philosophy called the Complete Deming Library. Okay. And the price tag on that was felt a little steep at the time. I remember thinking, <laughs> fifteen hundred bucks. Man, I don't know if I can afford that, or not that I can't afford that, but it's like you know, I you know, I I, I, I don't know if I can justify that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but but I realized that that you know, it was actually important enough that I was willing to spend my own money on it if the company wouldn't fork over, you know, 1500 bucks for it. Turns okay. out Aaron was happy. He's like, yeah, I'll buy it. Okay. So I watched these videos over the weekend. Um, I pretty much spent all day, Saturday and Sunday, just going through them. And it was a very emotional experience for me. It was, it was just seeing, um, you know, this, this notion that, you know, we were already, our company was already kind of on a path going down the, the traditional route at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we were starting to get some fear introduced, starting to get some, you know, we need to put pressure on people. We need to hold people accountable. Um, you know, the executive team is team number one. You better be loyal to that team. And all of this stuff was, you know, it's just part of growing up. You know, we had a number of new people coming in and it was just different and it felt bad to me. I wasn't sure mm. what it was, but I just, I just know that there were, you know, there were times when, when, uh, when I wasn't wasn't real happy with that, uh, with that, the way we were doing things. And so, so was that, was that more, at, was that more of Keith, a feeling of, uh, I don't know, kind of sameness because of what you maybe experienced before in another organization or what was that kind of that, uh, disruptive feeling that you had? Yeah, it was, it was like, I know what it's been like to work for Pluralsight up until now. Mm-hmm. And, and when it was just, you know, just a few of us working and it was just so easy and everybody trusted each other and there was never any need to put pressure on somebody or anything like that. It's like, you know, we're all in this together and it was just easy and it was fun. And I never felt like I had a job. Mm. Um, I, I just felt like I was doing what I was passionate about every day. Mm. Um, and, and, and now we're kind of getting to this place where there's more people on the bus and, uh, I feel, you know, the influences coming in from more traditional companies. And I'm at this point, I'm kind of thinking to myself, this is before I found Deming. I was kind of thinking to myself, this is, you know, we had just taken some funding for our very first round of funding, our series A from a venture capitalist. And, uh, I was thinking, well, maybe this is just what has to happen. You know, mm. maybe this is, you just grow up and you, maybe this is just what we just have to deal with this because we're growing up. Okay. And I think that's what a lot of us mm, felt at okay. that time is that this is just the way it has to be. And I So you were watching the Deming videos then and and that I got you a little bit off track with that question, but I wanted to get you back kind of back on to the Deming videos. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh as I was watching that I was just remembering what it was like before and I was seeing what uh you know, some like you said, sameness of, uh, you know, what we were doing now with, uh, you know, things that I had seen in bigger companies that didn't, were very dysfunctional and frankly, you know, comic strips like Dilbert. You know? <laughs> and, uh, living the Dilbert life. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can see us kind of going down the path and it's like, yeah. And it's like, I can't, it's like, if we could have that, if we could keep that small company feel, and that's really what, what Deming gave me that hope. Okay. It was that, you know, we could uh, keep that, that, that wonderful, easy, fun atmosphere. And, uh, 
you know, and, and, and not have it, not have, have to grow up, I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so you, then you watch these videos and then you reapproach the, or you approach the CEO based on some of the information you found, or was there more yeah, to I it? Yeah, okay. I gave the videos to my partner and he watched them over the, over the course of the next, you know, couple of months. He just kind of plugged one in as he was doing his morning run and would watch a, you know, a little half an hour here and there. And yeah, he very quickly started becoming a believer and it was, I was just shocked at how quickly he came around to this and, and realized that, yeah, there is a better way okay. and we can get back to, to what we had before. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was a major turning point for us. Okay. And, and so as you're watching these videos or reading out of the crisis, a very difficult read. <laughs> so, so a lot of people thought it was kind of a connect the dots type of book and were very disappointed, but um, what were kind of the things that stood out to you or, or maybe even uh, opened your mind to, Oh, not only is this possible, but that that's even a new thought for me. Well, I remember, I remember nodding along with most of it and just, you know, going, yeah, I get that. I get that. Makes sense. But there were certain parts of it that were, were really, really, it's like, what do you mean? And, and I hadn't, I hadn't, we hadn't really had much time um, in the world of targets and incentives and, mm -hmm. you know, and holding people accountable and all of that. But, you know, when Deming was talking about, you know, don't measure people or don't, 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 you know, don't do performance-based pay and things like that, um, mm -hmm. pay for performance, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and just think, I was already thinking to myself, well, how could you do it any other way? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so your your brain was so, kind of already there, maybe from some of the previous things you read. Yeah. 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 Okay. Or just, you know, it just felt like, you know, made well, sense. how can you do that in a, in a company that's a larger company? It's not just, you know, four guys, four or five guys, but just, that really get along well together. Okay. Trust each other. Okay. So, so you're going through this uh, a growth spurt, and you're 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 kind of applying these things as you go, or you get kind of throwing it together on the fly, or how how did things transpire once you kind of decided to go down the uh, Deming philosophy path? We very quickly started making changes. Okay. Um, uh, very very quickly, we we started transformation and moved very fast. So uh, one of the very first things we did is is we eliminated all incentive pay for for any executives on the you know the top leadership team. Um, you know we renegotiated their their salary, bumped it up so that they didn't have to worry about hitting a target or anything that they would feel comfortable. They didn't worry about making their nut by hitting some target. Okay. We wanted we wanted that team to work as a team. Okay. Uh, at least that was the first step. So that okay. was one of the very first things we did. Okay. And does um, have, did everybody just kind of say, yeah, that makes sense and, and go with it? Or was there a lot of conversation? Cause he, that would be awfully tough for many organizations just to kind of swallow that, you know, especially at the executive level. Well, first level. of all, there weren't many, there weren't many people with those, with that, that sort of a thing. Okay. Um, it, there wasn't a lot of that yet. Okay. And so there was only a few people that had, I, I don't know all the details, but mm -hmm. I do remember some conversations, and I do I do specifically remember, and I won't name any names, but I do remember one guy saying, "You mean you're not gonna like hold back my pay if I don't hit this number?" And really, you're not gonna do that? Like I could just like work with you guys as a team, and not have to feel like I have to sweat that. And it's like, yeah, it's like we still want to perform, but we're not gonna 
we don't want to pit you guys against each other. And it was just, I just, the sense of relief mm. from, from, you know, it was, yeah, it was, you could see, you could see a change. Um, definitely. Okay. Okay. And, uh, okay. So, so you were explaining kind of w what was going on as you were growing. And, and so one of the first things you got rid of was the incentive pay. What else did, what other moves did you make? Well, there was a number of different things and, and I kind of, I can kind of go through them as, you know, in, in terms of Deming's philosophy, the four, the four, uh, um, areas of his philosophy, leading mm -hmm. the system, mm -hmm. you know, is the first one. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, the things that we learned from about leading a system and how we applied that. Okay. Um, so one of the, first of all, leading a system, there's two very important words there, leading mm -hmm. and system. Mm -hmm. And so we started learning about the notion of leadership and we started teaching that. And, and we'll talk a little more about that later, I'm sure. Okay. Um, and then systems thinking, trying to look at the overall company as a system and optimize the system as opposed to sub-optimizing its parts. Okay. Um, which is the path we were going down when we were setting targets for different um, different departments. Okay. Like the sales guys had a target, the marketing department had a target, you know, the content team had a target. I mean, it was like everybody had these targets. And they were trying to figure out a target for the dev team too, but oh, that was a little harder, you know? <laughs> so anyways, when we got away from that, we realized that we, we could focus on just having everybody pitch in and help out in order to optimize the whole system. And another thing that that really helped us realize is that we needed to focus more on our customer and find out what it was our customer needed and that quality is kind of assigned by the customer's needs and not by what we think the customer wants. Okay. Um, we were kind of in a bubble before that, and I think it really helped us to shake us out of that. And so as far as the customer goes, we started hiring some folks that would help us with product um, product research mm -hmm. and, and getting actual customers, somebody who would be responsible responsible for actually really talking to customers, understanding what their needs were and, and helping move the product forward that way. As opposed to just before us, you know, thinking, well, here's the obvious thing we should do, you know, and not involving the customer as much. Okay. So, yeah, so we eliminated, um, we removed barriers to teamwork, which was incentive pay. Um, we're also, we've also decided to remove any form of bonus. Okay. Some people we used to have bonuses all over the place um, for people. And at the end of this year, when those expire, it's coming up very soon here, um, we will be replacing that with a uh, profit sharing oh, okay. system, which is very fair and, and uh, across, you know, everybody, you know, mm -hmm. so everybody benefits as Pluralsight succeeds. Okay. Um, the sales team also decommissioned their sales force, which was, a huge leap of faith. Um, that was something that happened very rapidly, and I was really surprised. I was actually on vacation, and I came back. I was on vacation for two weeks, and I came back, and they had done this. And I, I'm like, wow, you guys moved really fast on that. Um, <laughs> but they, they've been seeing some really great results from that. It's just the knowledge sharing that's been going on and, and just watching salespeople help each other now. Okay. You know, I mean, they used to help each other before, Poor, but not yeah. like this. But they would be like, you know, there was a guy that was out for a week and somebody just picked up his accounts and just made sure that they were all good, you know, just, you know, everybody has each other's backs now. So it's a, it's a very different uh, model. And it's also, uh, it, it's very uh, conducive for hiring. Hmm. There's a lot of people, especially sales. See, I would think who, that, that that's kind of surprises me, Keith, because I would almost think that, you know, with as much as they're, 
all these guys that do sales training type of thing. They're always, you know, uh, you got to be the top of the, the guy at the top of the mount. Got to get, if you're going to get the best, you got to pay the, the best and incentives and all those types of things. So, so, so sure. Yeah. I'm interested to hear how, how, you know, what you found. Well, I think, I think one of our candidates summed it up the best. Um, I was in, I do a lot of cultural interviews with people. It's kind of the last interview that people do at Pluralsight before they join the company. Mm. And uh, I interviewed uh, one of the sales guys that was coming on, and he's like, yeah, I'm trying to take a little bit of a pay cut to come here. He says, let me tell you why. He says, it seems like you guys have got all the good salespeople. And I'm like, what do you mean by all the good salespeople? And he says, uh, well, by good, I mean the salespeople that care about what's right for the customer, and they're not there just to make a buck. Hmm. And so I think it really depends on what you're after. If you want long-term relationships with customers, you want a team that cares about the customer and isn't isn't just completely focused on money for themselves. Okay. Right. You want people that want to change the world, you know, as opposed to line their own pockets. And it's not like these guys aren't going to make money. They're they're making they're making a great nut. They're taking good care of their families and, and they're very happy. They don't have to worry about the sort of us versus them. Every year we renegotiate your, your commissions and like those games that we play between the leadership team and, and the sales team. Um, you know, all that, all that stuff goes away. Yeah. So, okay. so yeah, so, so we're attracting the type of talent that we want, which is the type of talent that is going to come in and really try to do what's right for the customer and, and, and help move the company forward in, for long-term uh, success. As opposed to, you know, hitting your numbers this month or this quarter. Okay, cool. You know, when you come to Pluralsight, you know, you're going to get an above market salary. Uh, we want to make sure that people aren't thinking about money. And, you know, we want them just thinking about doing what's right for the company and what's right for the customer. And then we're, you know, we're going to have a profit sharing plan on top of that uh, at the beginning of next year. Um, another thing that we started doing uh, when we think about leading a system is, is driving out fear and replacing with trust, and that has a lot to do with leadership. So instead of leading people with or managing people with fear and pushing people around, we want our leaders to inspire them and bring them along and help help their help everyone's intrinsic motivation come out. We really one of the really cool things that I that I learned from from Deming was I think it was in his book. Uh, um, the new economics mm -hmm. was his definition of leadership. It's like there's three sources of power when okay. you're managing someone. You can lead. You, the, the first source of power is your title, uh, the, the authority of your office. And there's a lot of authoritarian um, managers out there that just you know lead with by the fact that they're that they're powerful and kind of push people around. Um, but there's two other sources as well. There's there's your, your great knowledge of the system, your great knowledge of, of what it is you're supposed to be doing. Um, and then the third one is personality. You lead with personality, your your, your charisma, your tact, um, so on and so forth. And Deming says, you know, lead with number two and number three. You know, reserve number one, the authority of your office, for when you need to reach upwards into the system to get to accomplish change that your team members can't accomplish. Mm. And so that really flips the organization on its head when you start thinking about leadership that way. Mm -hmm. You start thinking of yourself more as a servant, more as somebody who's there to help the people on your team as opposed to somebody who's there who's some elite 
person, you know, who's worked really hard to get there and now they're going to just set targets and hold people accountable and they've got a cushy job. It's like, no, as a leader, your job's really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you're, you are there to help people, to inspire people, to deal with the difficult problems that come up with people. Yeah, remove those and obstacles. And your people. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, that's the philosophy. And, you know, everybody is, we have a long way to go. We're just beginning this journey. But, uh, you know, we're definitely trying to instill that. And not just our management, but also we really believe in teaching leadership, not to just to management, but also to the rank and file, um, you know, to help them think less about themselves, less about me and, and more about we. Okay. You and know, you've, and you, and as an organization, you guys have done something very unusual and I, I just have to bring it up because it's, it's something I, I've always wanted my clients to try and achieve, which is this, uh, elimination of the rules and policies and, and the pre procedures even to some, some degree. But, but can you talk about the, the, the two, uh, the only two rules that you have and how that came about? Because it, it really feeds into that whole leader, leadership piece. Yeah, yeah. So, and and that takes us into the next uh, the next uh, um, item of Deming's philosophy, which mm -hmm. is understanding variation. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know. Let me talk a little bit about that, and then we'll come to the the two rules. Okay, sure. Um, once you understand the difference between common cause variation and special cause variation, and you realize that you know there's variation in so many different things. There's variation in people. Um, there's variation in systems that is just a lot of random noise. Um, and we can, we can really stop wasting a lot of time investigating noise and recognize signals more quickly. Um, it's really helped us understand that there's variation in people, and, and it really helped us reduce finger pointing um, and gave us a guide for improvement. And as, as part of that, we eliminated, um, because we do want to create trust and drive out fear and... Um, you know, just really create this environment where people feel like they're trusted and that they're an important part of the system. We eliminated our PTO and T&E policies, PTO being paid time off and T&E being travel and expense. So mm -hmm. we, we, we had a pretty, uh, it, was, it wasn't really big, but it was growing. <laughs> we had a growing list of rules, you know, for everything, you know, from, uh, you know, when you could take time off to, you know, what you could expense and what airlines you had to fly on and stuff mm, like that. Mm -hmm. and, um, we eliminated all of, all of that, all of those rules in favor of two simple rules. Um, and just, we just want people to make good judgments really is what it comes down to. So the first rule is be respectful, considerate, and kind, even when you disagree. And so that just talks about how we treat each other. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a manager or if you're sitting in the rank and file. It's like we want to treat each other well. And this also applies to people not inside the company, but also outside the company. When you go out to lunch, you know, and the waitress comes over and brings you some food and whatever, it's like you're going to treat her the same way. Okay. You know, if you're representing our company, we want you to be a model. Um, a mo we want you to model this. And then the second rule is uh, always act in plural sites, best interest. Mm -hmm. um, and so that really addresses a lot of the things around like travel and expense. Um, you know, are, you're not going to book yourself into the Ritz if you're thinking putting the company's interests first. You know, you're, right. you're going to spend the company's money like you would spend your own money. Right. And then on the reverse side of that, too, is you don't necessarily 
uh, book yourself into the cheapest hotel. If, you know, the walls are thin, you're not going to get any sleep that night, and you're not going to be worth anything the next morning. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we, we want people to be reasonable, and there's variation in all of this stuff, and there's no way we can put rules, create a rule book that's going to cover you know, that's the, there's no way that you're not going to get an optimal system. We have a rule, rule book like that. We just need people to think mm-hmm. and, and we need people to be reasonable mm-hmm. and we need to trust people. And so, yeah, so that's, that's a relatively, you know, new thing. I mean, a lot of these things are relatively new. So, um, you know, we're kind of looking at that and seeing, seeing how that's working out. But so far it feels like it's, it's working out really well. And how long have you guys been doing this with the, under those, those two rules? Um, we introduced them back when we did the Deming training. What was that back in March? Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's been uh, almost you know, nine months, half, eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Almost nine months or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course you had, you know, when we said, you know, you don't have to worry about vacation. We're not tracking it anymore. It's like, you know, we just, we getting rid of a PTO policy means that, you're not, you know, there's no policy about how much vacation somebody can take. It's like you just take what whatever makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that acknowledges the variation in people. Over time, people are going to have different needs. Mm. Like you're going to have a mother who's going to need to, you know, go out, uh, um, you know, to have a baby. It's like she's going to need some time off. You know, the father is going to want to stay home with the kid for a little while, you know, as well. And all of these things that the, the um, <clears throat> so you have a death in the family, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to want to go to the funeral. You're going to want to take a couple of days if it's somebody close to you and, you know, uh, do what you need to do. And it, it's like, I guess what we realized was that, you know, we're not, we're not tracking when people come in and out of work, you know, they don't check in and check out, don't clock in. Um, so, you know, why do we need to track uh, a vacation? Yeah. You know? So, so that was a that yeah, was a pretty that, uh, controversial decision not to track it. I think a lot of people there was a, a contingent that that wanted to that, that thought that we ought to at least mm-hmm. track it so we could see what was going on. And it's like, well, the danger there is that you create a fear that eh, you're being tracked and that you know you could lose your job because uh, you know you're, you're taking too much, mm-hmm. you know. I think the problem is going to be more that people are going to take too little. Um, and, and one of the things that we wrote into our policy is that, or we wrote into our culture guide was, um, you know, taking too little vacation is just as bad as taking too much. Yeah. You know, because we do need, we need people to rest. That's where you, you get your big ideas. You go away and rest your mind and you come back and, you know, your subconscious does all kinds of wonderful things while you're resting. Sure. Recharge, so, recharge, and then yeah. you know, get, then then you can internalize some of the things that you've seen and reflect. All that's important yeah. for 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 learning and growing. So you've been doing these things for nine months. Now I got I asked the question: When you came up with these two things, how did you come up with them? I mean, was it did you say, oh, there's such and such a company over there that's doing it this way, or what? How, how did you come? How did you decide on these two things? Um, well, I, I looked at a number of different culture guides for companies that, like, you look at Netflix culture guide. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the name of the other company. There was a number of companies that I looked at there, how they were doing things, and I was inspired by a lot of that. Okay. And also, you know, at the same time, I'm looking at this kind of through Deming's lens. 
like once you under once you get the knowledge that Deming shares, you know, you, you have this this lens that helps you see, you know, it it helps you get a feeling for what things are going to work and what things aren't going to work. Um, so yeah, so the the rule about uh, act in soil sites best interest mm-hmm. that actually um, came from Netflix. That, okay. That's 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 the rule that they have, and I think they only have just the one rule. Oh, okay, okay. But I felt I felt like having having a rule around how we treat each other is also really important. Okay. And I was inspired by that um, by a fellow who does like they call it mob programming. I don't know if you've heard heard of pair programming before. No, yeah. There's a fellow mm-hmm. Woody that that does something called mob programming, and they have they they actually have a number of people in the room writing code together at the same time. And I just love the way the succinct way that he put it. This is how we treat each other. And I felt that that was that that was an important thing to say. That okay. is that we really need to to take care about each other and 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 be professional and respectful. So, so what are the other things then, uh, Keith? That Pearl site is working on, you know, as you look forward, I mean, you've done all these really great things and you made it a great place to work for, for the employees of plural site. And, and there's this degree of trust that you've built. I mean, what's the next level? I mean, or do you feel like you've made the mountaintop? Oh no, no, by, by no means. I mean, I, I, I have never seen this as there's an, a place where we end. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you constantly have to be working at this. This is actually pretty hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, convincing people to, uh, uh, you know, you really have to change hearts and minds mm-hmm. of not just management, but also the rank and file. Because, um, you know, even the rank and file will be suspicious of any changes that you make. It's like, what are they what are trying to, you know, trying to change things so that, they, you know, there, there must be some some underlying evil thing that they're trying to accomplish by changing these rules and stuff, you know, you get that, you get that kind of pushback. Right. But, well, uh, well, and another thing too, you know, talk about uh, one of the interviews that I did for the Deming podcast was uh, with Paula Marshall. You know, she says that now she she trains all of her own, uh, you know, new people that come into her organization at Bama companies, and and uh, you know, she basically gets up there and and she says inevitably there will be somebody in the room that'll say, well, how's come? You know, maybe it would be a good idea if we put in an incentive plan or a performance appraisal or you know something like that so she said you know i'm constantly on my guard you know against yeah. the the things that seep into the organization you have to be pretty proactive exactly. about that as well as you know getting to the next level too yeah ed catmull in his book creativity eight uh it, it seemed to me as i went through that book that the one thing that he felt was like the most important thing to constantly be vigilant about was rooting out problems was rooting out sickness mm-hmm. that was that that will start to grow and take take hold and, and fester if you don't get on it. And and when your top leadership is in a bubble, mm. it's never going to see the sickness happening. Mm. Um, and and you get into a bubble the more hierarchy you have, right? Sure. Because you know your rank and file is going to report things to their 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 manager, and that manager is going to report to their manager. And at every level of reporting, you know, you're sugarcoating it to a certain degree mm-hmm. because you, you want to, you know, there's just always a certain amount of fear, right? It's like you, you can't completely drive out fear. It's like there's always people are going to be afraid of something. Right. And uh, so you have to keep working at that constantly and rooting out those sources of fear and, and driving them out. And that, that's, that, that's never ending. 
And so, you know, that's one of the things that I'm probably the most important thing that I've asked our leadership team to do is to really try to to work to open up those challenge of channels of communication and break through that bubble so that the communication between, you know, management and and uh, the the direct reports is as clear and as 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 you know, seeking the truth. We call it seeking the truth. Mm. It's like we really want to know what the what the truth is. We really mm. want to get to. We want to know how you feel. We want to know what you're worried about. We want to know um, if you have ideas. You know, don't be afraid to share them. <laughs> and so, just constantly making sure that that really good, healthy communication is happening, and and that you know, and that sickness isn't creeping in. Right. Yeah. Or that, right, that, that yeah, that, thing. yeah, that, that, uh, uh, point number eight of Deming's 14 points and drive out fear, you know, that may be something you have to address in and of itself. If people aren't sharing with it, then what's, what, what's driving that thinking that Absolutely. they, that they won't. Yeah. It's like we need to constantly be helping our leaders, uh, do a better job of, uh, of leading. We need to help the rank and file do, you know, a better job of trusting our leaders. And mm-hmm. there's this kind of bi-directional trust that has to be there. And that's something you just have to nurture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just beginning mm-hmm. to do that. Um, I think we had a, we had a pretty healthy culture. The folks that we hired were, you know, we hired them, you know, trying to find people that were great, not just people who could, you know, make us most money. We were trying to find people who were easy to work with. And mm-hmm. I think that was key to being a, to us being able to move as quickly as we did. And um, yeah, and and it's interesting too, you know, having having done the uh, Deming two and a half day with you guys, that you even yourself. I mean, I look at you, and, and the thing that amazes me is the way that you have gone from basically kind of a technical type of uh, position is kind of kind of growing up with, you know, coding and all those types of things. And now you're seeing the importance of being a culture coach as a, as a partner to this uh, growing organization. And you're saying this is important and uh, that you've kind of set this other stuff to the side saying, you know, that can kind of take care of itself. Now, what's really important is that we keep this culture going. And, and I want to, you know, be involved in, in making sure that that culture uh, is uh, integrated into what we do. And I think that that's a reflection of a lot of things. But, uh, you know, you're obviously a, a bigger thinker than, oh, I can do this, the tech stuff and the thing that I know p- pulls you a little bit out of your comfort zone. And so, um, you know, that's kudos well, to you. As I, as I gave the, the teams that were working with me more and more autonomy, I kind of worked myself out of a job, which was awesome. <laughs> You know, because, you know, it's like I, I, I was contributing less and less. As, I was being less and less of an individual contributor. I was being more of a leader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at some point, it's like, you know, the teams, I, I really wanted the teams to be as autonomous as they could be. And, uh, yeah, and it was, there was less need for me. There is actually a VP of engineering now um, that, that, is, that is in the, the role that I was in before. I was CTO before, but, uh you know, I now have a great, wonderful VP of engineering who's uh, who's working out really well. Cool. But uh, yeah, it did did free me up to focus on this, which I think is across the company can have more impact. 
Absolutely. So uh, just to kind of uh, close things up, uh, is there anything that I didn't cover today that you wanted to talk about or maybe some clarification uh, on something that's out there? Because we and we certainly want to have you back on, Keith, because we you know, your your guys journey is something I think that uh, needs to be shared, at least what you guys are willing to share. So uh, is there anything that, that I've missed? There's a lot more stuff we could talk about. Sure. Things that, things that we do, are doing at Pluralsight. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I'm happy to do that another time. I, I, I you know, there's, like I said, it, it's a, it's a journey. Um, it's a never ending journey and you, you just really have to commit to that, that, you know, you're not going to just go try to tackle quality and, and at some point be done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a, it's a philosophy. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of leading. And, uh, you know, we have, we'll continually uh, try to get better. Very good. Well, we appreciate you sharing your time today, Keith Sparkjoy and a uh, uh, partner of Pluralsight. And uh, we thank you. Thank you, Trip. It was great hanging out with you. Hi, this is Trip Babbitt announcing the 21st annual International Deming Research Seminar where you can see and hear the latest applications of Dr. W. Edward Stemming's philosophy. The 2015 Research Seminar will be held in Washington, D.C., March 23rd and 24th at the Georgetown University Conference Center. Join us to hear innovative new approaches and directions being tested by others to enhance operations, build trust, foster leadership, promote commerce, create ethical business cultures, and sustain success. Register for the event at the Deming.org website. I hope to see you there.